0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Well, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> we'll do a little Bible study here today. I love to- it. Ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that in the same spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And we ask the angels to join us and to give us light. That's what our guarding angels do. They give us light to be able to follow the Lord's will. Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celia terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis, benedictus qui venit, in nomine Domini, hosanna in excelsis. So we have the Gospel of Matthew. Yesterday and today, Jesus is saying, woe to people, (laughs) woe to you, woe to you. And today, Jesus says to the Pharisees, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, You pay tithes of mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and fidelity. But these you should have done without neglecting the others, blind guides who strain out the gnat and swallow the camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You cleanse the outside of the dish and the cup, but inside they are full of plunder and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, cleanse first the inside of the cup, so that the outside also may be clean. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is telling the scribes and Pharisees. Now it's interesting that you know the mint and the dill and the cumin. They're herbs that the, the you know the women grew them in the kitchen in little gardens, and they used them for for um, perfuming the home and for just you know putting on the food. It was um, herbs for for spices for cooking and they weren't they weren't covered in the mosaic precepts there was no reason why they had to pay tithes on these this is just common elements that are necessary for life and and then um, the, but the Pharisees decided you know they were they were so they wanted to so scrupulously observe the law that they started expanding the, you know when, when Jesus talks about the law and and replacing the law of God with human precepts this is what he's talking about you know, they're expanding what was given to them, actually, by Moses, what they should pay tithes on. And they're saying, we have to pay tithes on this, too, and that other thing, and this little thing. And all these little things that, no, the law didn't say they had to pay tithes on. But, they're being, but the difficulty is, in this scrupulosity about details, they're ignoring what's going on in their own hearts. They're ignoring their own attitudes. They're ignoring their own following of the Lord as he should be followed and they're ignoring sin in their lives and and majoring on these little things. It's kind of interesting because in our own day, we have this whole thing about abortion. Oh, it has to be legal. We have to let these women kill these children because obviously children are the cause of the problems in their life, and if they have this child, it's just gonna cause them more problems. And no, um, letting someone neglect their duty never never helps them solve their problems. It only causes more problems in their lives. When, you know, when a woman is pregnant, she doesn't need help to kill her baby. She needs help to support her baby. And she needs the support that she needs to know that she can do this. But what happens is then what do we do? We make car seat laws where children up to six years old or 14 pounds have to be in a car seat. And you're like, or it's more than 14 pounds. I'm sorry, what is it, 30 pounds? And you're like, wait a minute what is going on and and what happens is because you're killing the children on one side then you have to try and overcompensate on the other side and then you have instances where families where the children are taken away by the department of protective services where there isn't an issue there's not an issue at all and then then you have other instances where children are being beaten to death and they're left with the parents who will beat them to death it's, it's just you, you can't kill your children through abortion, but if this is the kind of thing the Pharisees were doing. They were paying attention to these little details of, of the, um, the you know, paying tithes on little things that didn't matter and weren't in the Mosaic Law. They added to the Mosaic Law, and then they're, they're neglecting other things. They're neglecting what they shouldn't neglect, and that is being faithful to the Lord and not rejecting his law of keeping his law and being charitable to their neighbor. And then he goes on, you know, the the scrupulosity of the Pharisees, the the, strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Well, it was all insects were considered unclean. So obviously if you had an insect land in your drink, you couldn't drink it. So you got to strain it out. But the deal is, you know, while they're doing this, they're committing serious sin. They're judging other people and condemning them and putting them down. Mm -hmm. And this is not, this is serious. It's not a little thing. So, Jesus reproaches the hypocrisy in their religious practice and he goes on to indict their two-facedness in the matter of morality. Okay? The Jews used to perform elaborate washing of plates and cups and tableware and the linens and they had all these regulations, okay? Mm-hmm. But Jesus is saying what what's going on in your heart? Are you willing to clean out what's going on in your heart? And oftentimes this happens to us too. We have something in our life that we're not really willing to uh, detach ourselves from and so then we start examining all the consciences of the people around us so that we don't have to look deeply into our heart and acknowledge that you know there's something in my life that i need to change there's something in my life that's offensive to god and i need to change that and sometimes it has you know it's funny because sometimes we think oh it must be some big horrible sin and sometimes Sometimes it's more our interior attitudes, our attitude towards other people. I'm better than them, or they're worthless, they're no good, they don't deserve to have a chance. They don't, oh they don't? God gave them life, did he give them a chance? You know, the prodigal son, the older son said what? How dare you father, this son of yours, this, not my brother, this son of yours has gone through your property with loose women and you're gonna welcome him back and Mm. give him the fatted calf. How dare you do this? And the father is saying, your brother was dead and now he's alive, he's repented, he's come back. We have to rejoice. And do we act this way toward others? Or do we say no, that person goofed or they made a mistake and you know what? They're gonna have to live with it for the rest of their life and for the rest of their life every time I see that I'm gonna rub it in their face and tell them how no good they are and how weak they are and how worthless they are. Well that's not Christ and that's not his attitude. And this is what the kind of things the Pharisees did. They put themselves above above other people and they look down on other people. And it's obvious if you read the Gospel of John, it becomes very obvious and evident because the Pharisees say things like, oh, so you believe the the guards when they don't bring Jesus in. Oh, so you're going to believe in him too? Well, nobody ever spoke like him. Well, the only ones who believe in him are that crowd out there and they're all condemned anyway. Who condemned him? Who condemned him? Jesus didn't condemn all those people. But the Pharisees were willing to condemn them. We have to be very, very careful when we're willing to condemn people in our hearts. Right.
2: I also think that this reading applies to all of us in the church today when, if we look back, what influence are we having on the secular world? Who's influencing who? And in the early 300 years of Christianity, the first 300 years, one of the ways that we Christianized the culture Is because of our love that we walked the talk. And I'm pointing the finger at myself, you, everyone. Is there enough evidence to convict us if we were in court (laughs) to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Amen. And I think of that, and I think that the world right now is in desperate need of meaning and purpose. Yes. And what I find right now is we just want to get along. And I hope that can change. In other words, like you mentioned about abortion, same-sex marriage, who am I to speak up? Well, earlier in our week, we had a gentleman come up, and he spoke up at his parish about you know, transgenderism and saying that we don't, as Catholics, uh, believe that that's a legitimate option, that we God made male and female. That's the biblical version. Right. And he spoke up, and he was able to convince the church at the local parish to not apply that. In other words, to go back to the fundamentals. And I think that, you know, they always have that saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But when we see problems, whether it's inside the church, moral problems, inside or outside, we have to, by example, first say that I'm going to live it in my own marriage, and right. in my own family, right. and then... I can take it outside my family, one right. family at a time.
1: Right. And and if we're not living it, how can we give it to others? And how can we be a light? A if point. we don't if the light isn't in us, if yeah. we don't have the light of God's love and, and grace yeah. shining in us, in yeah. our souls, how can it shine to others? And that's you know, we, we need to examine our own lives and we need to the charity begins at home. And Mother yeah. Teresa said that oftentimes. People would come to help her and she'd say, You know, you need to you need to be charitable to people in your home. Right. You know, yeah. And that's we do. We need to practice charity toward one another. And in, in charity, we don't tear one another down. We build each other up in the Lord. Say only the good things men need to hear, things that will truly build them up in the Lord. And that's what the Lord did. He you know, Granted, if a person was a hypocrite and, and was putting other people down and refusing to admit their own sins, he'd, he'd face them with it face to face. But the woman caught in adultery, he doesn't condemn her. He says, woman, go and sin no more. And remember, that's part of it. When we repent of sin, we have to make a firm purpose of amendment. We're not going to do this again. We have to avoid the near occasion of sin. If a situation has led us into sin, we need to do everything we can to get out of that situation and avoid it in the future.
2: Well, I'll give you a, a tip called custody of the eyes. So as much of our culture is sexually uh, pushed out right now where everything is sexualized you need to be able to have custody of the eyes to you know, to stop this pornography that's going on in this country and so what my wife is mentioning i think really is it's the universal call to holiness yeah. That's what we're really talking about. There
1: you go. What are we going to do when we come back from the break, my love? We're working on the Acts of the Apostles here. We're getting through it a little at a time. We're going to finish up chapter 15 and hopefully finish up chapter 16 today.
2: You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you want to make a registration for the Women's Conference, go on virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 526
3: this is Barbara Nicolosi and we're having a women's conference here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina on September 7th, 2019. This is going to be a great, great day for you to come and meet a bunch of new friends, wonderful Catholic women who want to deepen their Catholic faith and their understanding of themselves as women. You know, this era right now that we're in, so much confusion. What is it to be a man? What is it to be a woman? You know, the Catholic Church has a lot to say about this, and we're going to hear about them. We're going to hear about John Paul II's letter on women that he wrote from Mary Danielle Barber. is going to talk about that. She's going to talk about Mary as a model for all of us. It's a topic that we can never reflect on too much. I'm going to talk about Teresa of Avila and the interior castle and how a mystical marriage is what all of us should be called to or are called to as Catholics in our prayer lives, and especially as women in the church. Aileen Blakowski is going to talk about motherhood and homeschooling. And then Father. We have uh, finally we have Father Charles Murray. He's going to be the celebrant of the Eucharist. He's going to be here hearing confessions. It's going to be an amazing day. We're going to have an hour of adoration together. Time to pray, time to laugh and eat, reflect, uh, grow in our passion for our Catholic faith and our identity as Catholic women. You don't want to miss it. You want to come. You want to bring your friends. You want to bring your daughters, your nieces. That's really an affordable day. So go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and you can register for this conference or call 877-526-2151. Uh, The Women's Conference is going to be a great event for the Archdiocese of, of Los Angeles area, Southern California Catholics. You don't want to miss it.
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call triple eight five two six twenty one fifty one. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome back here. And at the end of chapter 15 of the Acts of the Apostles, Paul is, um, and Barnabas, Paul decides that they should return to the cities where they had proclaimed the Lord to visit the people and encourage them. And Barnabas wants to take Mark with him. John Mark is Barnabas. He's, a, he's related to 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 Barnabas. And Paul's not so sure, he, no, I don't want to take John. He, he didn't stay with us last time, he, is, he deserted us. So Barnabas will, says, well, wherever I go, I'm gonna take John Mark for now. And Paul says, fine, then I'll take Silas with me, and mm-hmm. you go, and it's interesting here, the commentary from St. Jerome says, Paul is sterner and Barnabas is kinder. Paul is, you know, he says, like, John Mark messed up, no, I'm not taking him again. And Barnabas, no, we, let's give him another chance. Each holds on to his point of view. The argument shows human weakness at work. So everything wasn't perfect and there was weakness. But are they angry with each other? Are they hating each other over? No. Both apostles are acting in good conscience and God amply blesses their new missionary journeys. Now they go on separate journeys. Mm. The gifts of the two men differ, St. Chrysostom comments. Mm. And clearly, this difference is itself a gift. Mm. Now and then one hears an argument, but even that is part of God's providence. And all that happens is that each is put in place, in the place which suits him best. Observe that there is nothing wrong in their separating if this means that they can evangelize all the Gentiles. If they go different ways in order to teach and convert people, there's nothing wrong about that. More people will be reached, right? Yep. What should be emphasized is not their differences, but what unites them. If only all the divisions were motivated by zeal for preaching. Wow. They both wanted to preach the gospel to the full. And Paul was afraid that having John Mark would interfere with that. Yeah. And Barnabas was confident that John Mark could do this. So then they go on two separate journeys instead of going together. Sure. And actually, they end up reaching more people. Exactly. But it's it's not through animosity or hatred. No. And, and later on, there's definitely the disagreement doesn't mean the two disciples have become estranged. Paul always praised Barnabas and Mark for their zeal. And that's obvious in one Corinthians nine 16 and in Galatians two nine. And later on, he was happy to have Mark with him in Colossians four. So it's
2: fantastic.
1: Yeah. You have Mary, that
2: Mary, you know, while you were speaking, I got a text people on YouTube who are watching. Hello. And <laughs> uh, they said, would you, we want to know how we can become monthly donors. Good. So let me just interrupt and yes. do this little pitch. Uh, Monthly donors pay the monthly bills here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So if you'd like to be a monthly donor, you can go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And there's a section there for support. Or to make it simple, you just call 877-526-2151. And I'm going to give them a third option. After the show, call me. I want to thank you personally. I give my cell number out, 661 nine, seven, two, seven, eight, seven, two. And that way we can show our appreciation because like I say, you are listeners who are making monthly donations pay the monthly bills. So you can go right online to Virgin most powerful radio
1: back to you, Mary. Very good. And <laughs> so that's the end of chapter 15. And then at the beginning of chapter 16, Paul begins his next journey, mm-hmm. which um, will last about four years. He yep. starts in the year 50, and that'll, the year 50, 51, 52, and 53, he'll, that'll take that. This remember these journeys, I and mean, they didn't have cars and airplanes, and, and they didn't have motorboats. No Uber, okay. <laughs> no Uber, no cell phones. Right. You know? This was this was definitely the turtle method, and it was, you know, it's effective, because the more sacrifices we make um, in union with Jesus for the spread of the kingdom, the more it spreads the kingdom. So they go um, to to, to Lystra, and um, in Lystra, there's a, there's a, he's, he's a Christian named Timothy. Mm-hmm. Now, Timothy's mother was Jewish, but mm-hmm. his father was Greek. And Paul, Timothy has an extremely good reputation, so Paul wants to take him along. And what's interesting here is that Paul has Timothy circumcised. Well, they already have, part of what they're doing is bringing the letter from Jerusalem from the First Council that says that circumcision isn't necessary. Why would he require Timothy to be circumcised? Well, because Timothy is Jewish. And if he doesn't have Timothy circumcised, the Jewish believers will see Timothy as an apostate from Judaism, and that would become an obstacle for him preaching the gospel to the Jews. So Paul, and later on in one of his letters, Paul will say this, he, he talks about m- meat sacrifice to idols, and he says, I know it's nothing. But if if it would cause my brother to sin that I have eaten meat sacrificed to idols, I will never eat meat again in my life. Amazing. So the consideration, have consideration for the weakness of your Mm -hmm. weaker brother. Yes, we do have to consider how our actions affect other people. That's not my idea. That's what the Gospels teach us. And clearly the New Testament and the New Testament, all of these letters are an extension of the Gospels, an explanation of how we should live it out day by day. So we have to have consideration for the weakness of the people around us. Now, so, um, Silas, he doesn't have circumcised. Well, Silas, like Ro- like Paul, excuse me, is a Roman citizen, and he has two names, Silas and Silvanus. Not not that Jesus gave him two names, and the same with Paul. Jesus never changed Paul's name. Paul was, Saul was his Jewish name, Paul was his Roman name, but Silas is actually He wasn't a Jew. He was a convert from from, the paganism. And so there's no need to have him circumcised because to have him circumcised would then be saying, oh, well, yeah, even though the Council of Jerusalem said this isn't necessary, it really is necessary. Timothy, he did it as a matter of pastoral practice. It wasn't that he was saying circumcision is necessary. St. Ephraim comments on this, and he says, he took Timothy and circumcised him. Paul did not do this without deliberation. He always acted prudently, but given that Timothy was being trained to preach the gospel to Jews everywhere and to avoid their not giving him a good hearing because he was not circumcised, he decided to circumcise him. In doing this, he was not aiming to show that circumcision was necessary. He had been the w- one of the instruments in eliminating circumcision. But he did it to avoid putting the gospel at risk. So consideration that our behavior, what we're doing, the way we treat other people, may put the gospel at risk.
2: Well, scandal, Cardinal Foley in the Vatican years ago said, scandal is a very big obstacle to evangelization. Absolutely. And so that's why, like I say, we have to walk the talk.
1: right. Right, and so when we, when, we have, you know, when we have the fullness of the faith and the gospel, by the way, silence is one of the ways we contribute to the sins of others. So if we see, if we're associating with people who are living immoral lives and we say nothing, we participate in their sin. We have to tell them what you're doing is wrong. Now, we have to do it in charity, and it's not in a condemning way, but Jesus has something better for you. When men live immoral lives, when they're unfaithful to their wives, we don't laugh at their jokes, and we don't laugh at, you know, if they invite invite you to go to a, a topless bar or a, even to go out to have drinks after. It's like, you know what? I have a family at home. Yeah. I want to go home and be with my family. Mm-hmm. And even for unmarried people, you have family. And, and we're made for relationship mm-hmm. because God is not a solitude unto himself. He's mm-hmm. a trinity of persons. He lives in community, a community of love and life. Yeah. And so the human family is supposed to be a reflection of the life of the Trinity. So we should have a great deal of love within our family and we should be helping one another to grow in holiness, not by criticizing each other and tearing one another down, but by building one another up. And then when we see our neighbors doing things that are wrong, if somebody's bragging about the fact that they you know, seduce somebody and oh, you know, this guy and men tend to do this, I guess I've been told, I don't know, you know, they, they get a girl pregnant and they're, they're just telling everybody about it because they're so proud of it. And it's like, no, fornication is a sin. And if the girl, if it wasn't fornication, if you're a married man, then that's adultery. And now you've not not only sinned against yourself and the girl you got pregnant, but you've sinned against your family. That's a sin of injustice. That's a greater sin. Adultery is a greater sin than fornication. Fornication is two people looking for love in the wrong place.
2: Just to confirm what you're saying, a holy pope back in the 5th century, St. Pope Felix III, said it this way, Not to oppose error is to approve it, and not to defend truth is to suppress it. And indeed, to neglect the confound evil men when we can do it is no less a sin than to encourage them. Honey, that was 1,500 years ago. Exactly. And it's, it's still true. It's both. still true.
1: We have to admonish one another. Mm-hmm. To admonish the sinner is a virtue. It's a work of mercy, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. It's one of the spiritual works of mercy. We're supposed to admonish. So if somebody comes to you and they're bragging about their sexual conquests mm-hmm. with you know, all these women or even with one woman, it's like, you no, know, what you did was wrong. And it degrades you as a human person. You're not an animal. You're not an animal to be reduced to your passions. And you know and, and if the guys you're hanging out with are getting drunk every night, honey, if you can't convince them that they're drinking too much and they should stop it, you need to stop hanging out with them. We avoid the near occasion of sin. If I'm living in a circumstances where I am being tempted to commit sin, I need to look at the circumstances and change the way I'm living. We avoid the near occasion of sin. You know, part of the firm purpose of amendment Is that avoiding the near occasion of sin? That I'm going to change the things in my life that are causing me to sin. So, you know, and, and be aware that we are responsible for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're responsible for each other. We want to build one another up in the Lord. And none of us is perfect. We go to confession on a frequent and regular basis. And the church says we should, at least monthly, because we're all sinners and we need to acknowledge this. And if I can look at my life and say, well, I don't sin, I'm not, you know what? We're not being honest. We're just not being honest. We need to go before the Lord and and say, Lord, you know what? I'm being dishonest and I need you to show me my sins so I can confess them honestly and then show me how to change my life and give me the courage to do that. And all of us needs to repent. There's nobody that's above sin or beyond it. Jesus came to save sinners. So all of us sinners out here, you know what? God came to save us. He didn't condemn us. So turn to him, turn to him with confidence that he can and will give you the strength and the courage to overcome your sins and don't give up no matter what. You know, it's like that story of Claude Newman, you know, here he well, was he in jail today. Yeah. The, at the end of the Terry and Jesse show. Yeah. And here he was, he was in jail. You know, it wasn't, he hadn't commit first degree murder, but that was, he was in jail for. But the reality is, is that, that God had mercy on this man. He mm-hmm. wasn't a bad man, yeah. but he had k- killed a man. Yes, but in he had killed in defense of his man. wife. And so he became a saint And he gave his life to God freely. And he also offered his sufferings for the conversion of another man. And he gained the conversion of another prisoner who was a hardened criminal. He was a hardened man. He had done horrible, awful things. And he was not repentant. And he said, if I so much as in the United States, it used to be the law. It may still be. I don't know. That if there was anyone was going to be executed, there had to be a clergyman present at their execution in case they wanted to make their peace with God. Right. And this other man that was in Claude Selbach was so hardened, he said, If I so much see a clergyman of any denomination, I will go to my death cursing God. Well, none of these men wanted to these men were decent men, they didn't want to hear that. But father had to be there because they were gonna execute this man. And Claude had died a month before him. And just before they pulled the lever to cause his death, he screamed for a Catholic priest, and he made his confession. You know, you never know, and anyone can change. And if we die well, all is well. St. Augustine
2: said, "We'll be back with much more on Virgin Most Powerful Radio Bible with the Barbers and we'll back with the the Apostles." Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother?
0: Hi. I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, a lukewarm Catholic guy and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app and he kept putting me off. So one day I grabbed his phone and I downloaded the app Uh. for him. I went on vacation. And, you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle and he says to me, hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple of times a week. He goes to the mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, He's on fire Catholic and he promotes uh, the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
2: Wow. Daniel, what a testimony, and I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. This is Terry Barber reminding you there's a women's conference coming up September 7th, 2019 at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Mary Danielle Barber will be speaking along with Barbara Nicolosi. They're going to be talking about true femininity. Be who you are. This is going to be for your daughters, your mothers. Every woman should be at this conference. And the way to do it is go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151
0: This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
1: Thank you, Jesse. And here we are again. And we have a caller on the line, Ellen Maeta from Virginia. Are you there, Ellen? Good afternoon. Well, good good afternoon. afternoon. Terry and Danielle. Thank you.
4: I am just. So happy to be hearing this word today. It's such an inspiration. Um, the word, the message that you and Terry um, have to say, is so needed. It is, it is a message that really struck home to my own heart because of my late husband, who God rest his soul, passed away a little over 4 years ago mm-hmm. and i remember him telling me before he died that his greatest regret that what was that he had not become more holy sooner
5: wow so
4: wow. this message that that you're offering is not only so needed um at this time but what i would have to say in addition to that is heed it heed it yeah sooner than later amen because the priest that he told that to Mm -hmm. told him that that is a regret of most people when they're dying that's right is that they Mm -hmm. held it off their their personal holiness their their call to become a saint wow and so it made me think of that and i wanted to thank both of you and to find out how i can give monthly Because I would
2: love to do that, because this is such an
4: important. Well, God bless you. God bless you, Helen.
2: I I knew your husband quite well, so I'm going to make a big plug. Richard was a holy man. I used to go see him, folks, uh, when you lived in Covina on a regular basis. And he was a very spiritual man, but he also was very sharp on what was going on in the church And, um, yeah, he gave me a lot of good advice. So, Ellen, I hadn't heard from you in a while, and I'm just grateful that you called in. And if you want to be a monthly donor, just go online to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, and there's a section there for monthly for support, or call the toll-free number, 877-526-2151. Excellent.
1: Thank you so thank you much. And thank you for keep calling. Thank you for calling. God bless both of you. God bless you, you and your family. Well, thank you. Please keep your us warriors,
4: in prayer. I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, God, God is good. So Full, sheen yes. Full sheen ahead.
1: Full sheen ahead. Praise God. Thanks. Yes. God, God bless you, you. So Ellen. Hope. Right. Thank you. God Bye-bye. bless you. Bye-bye. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, you know, it, if, if you if you pray well, you will live well. If you live well, you will die well. And if you die well, all oh, will be well. That's St. Augustine. You know, it, it's not, holiness is not the option of the few. It's a simple duty of us all. We're all called to it. And that's something that comes up here in the commentary on today's, you know, Paul goes out, they're, they're going to deliver the letter from the Council of Jerusalem. And it's interesting because um, as they went on their way in the cities, they delivered to them the decision from the Council of Jerusalem. And the churches were strengthened by this and their faith was increased. And it it, it suggests that the the people simply were obedient in a spirit of joy. Their spirit of obedience and joy, it just Mm -hmm. permeated everything that they did. And it's like the apostles have spoken. This is what Jesus wants, it's clear. And sometimes, you know, 2,000 years later, we're like, eh, you know, well, maybe the apostles have spoken. Maybe it's clear. Maybe I'm not getting it right. Well, you know... Everything which a lawful council lays down merits and demands acceptance by Christians because it reflects, as the Council of Trent teaches, the true and saving doctrine which Christ taught. The apostles then handed on and the Catholic Church, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, ever maintains. Therefore, no one should subsequently dare to believe, preach, or teach anything different. So we hold fast to the teachings of the church. And the council, even Vatican II, didn't change anything in the church. And some people say, well, it's ambiguous. Well, it's interesting. Read the documents. And this is what Pope John Paul II told us. He said, take in your hands the documents of the council. Study them with loving attention in a spirit of prayer to discover what the Spirit wished to say about the church. And if you look at the footnotes in Vatican II, it is so rooted in tradition, sacred tradition with a capital T. It doesn't deviate. Yeah, maybe things weren't as clear as we wanted them to be. But you know, what's interesting. If you study the history of the church for the last 150 years or so, maybe a little over 150 years, we had holy, saintly popes who taught us clearly, in season and out of season, what the church wanted. And then at Fatima, our lady appeared and she said, Stop sinning, do your duty, stop offending God who's already too much offended, make reparation to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, make reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for the conversion of sinners and the conversion of Russia. And how many people listened? How many people did it? You know, God will not be mocked. And if we don't listen, He'll take the gospel away from us and give it to someone else who will bear fruit.
2: Well said, and we talked about interpreting Vatican II with a hermeneutic of continuity. What that really means is you do the homework Mary Danielle just talked about by looking up the footnotes. And if something is ambiguous, here's the bottom line. Interpret it in light of the continuity of the faith. And I'm going to be politically incorrect. I'm just going to say it that I don't care if a bishop, priest, a pope can't change what Christ taught when it comes to the Ten Commandments because that's what Jesus Christ, the scriptures have taught. And so interpret that in the perennial teachings of the church. So there's much ambiguity right now in our church today. Let's just be honest. Right. We have a lot of people saying a lot of things. Right. But I want to tell our listeners, you can be grounded with the Word of God, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and what the church has always taught, the perennial teachings, go back to that, and the ambiguity should go away.
1: Right. And we have to live strongly the moral teachings of the church. It's interesting. I read Dr. Conrad Bars's book, mm-hmm. his autobiography. It's called The Doctor of the Heart. Mm-hmm. It's Bars, B-A-A-R-S, mm-hmm. Conrad Bars. And in there, he mentions that, you know, we were all shocked. The world was shocked at how quickly France fell mm. to the Germans. I mean, they had more firepower, they had you know more technology, They were and yet they just crumbled. They didn't the have Germans. the will. They didn't have the will. And what Conrad Bars pointed out, and I didn't know this, is that the French society Revolution. had adapted the contraceptive mentality yep. 150 years earlier than World War II. Yep. And it's like, oh my word, it breaks your will. When you start saying that I'm here in this life to live for pleasure and that's what I'm about and children are an interference with that and so they're the cause of all the problems in the world. You know, children call for sacrifice. Mm -hmm. They call for us to be strong and manly and, and womanly and to be say no to ourselves and to be raised above the level of an animal to be able to say no. I will give up my own needs to serve someone else who needs me more. And when we start saying children are the cause of the problems, then we're just living for ourselves and we become weak and we become incapable of sustaining a fight against an enemy. And that's what happened. And now that doesn't mean everybody in France, there were a lot of good people in France who died martyrs World War II, and they resisted the Nazis and there was the French resistance and they protected the American soldiers to the best of their ability. And, and many of them died in concentration camps, but there were, as a society, France had crumbled, but it had already crumbled from within by buying into that contraceptive mentality that you know children are a burden and that whatever is for my pleasure is all okay, no matter how many people, no matter who it hurts, because as long as I feel good in the moment, then that's all that matters. And that's, we have to fight against this because we're being duped into this same mentality now in the 20th century in America. And Abraham Lincoln predicted America will not be taken down from enemies from without, but it will be taken down from enemies from within. And it's the same in the church. If the people of the church do not live the gospel to the full, then the church in any particular country will crumble and be lost. But the church itself will not be lost. Jesus promised that he would be with his church until the end of time, and the gates of hell would not prevail, but are we willing to follow the church? Are we willing to die to ourselves and become the saints? Are we willing to take up the cross daily and follow him? This is where it's at. Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence and we're called to take up the cross daily. And St. Paul did. In these missionary journeys, he definitely took up his cross. And it's interesting that Paul got sick at Galatia. Now, he doesn't say it here in the Acts. But in his letter to the Galatians, he mentions to them, the reason the gospel was preached to you is because I got sick Mm -hmm. and I got stuck and I couldn't go anywhere. But he didn't sit down on his his laurels and say, oh, how sad I can't do my missionary journey. No, he preached to the people of Galatia and they received the gospels. So his illness became an event whereby which he was able to evangelize a whole city and uh, praise God. You know, this is. Oftentimes, when we face adversities, we say, "Oh, the devil!" The devil I say, "Well, wait a minute. What's God doing here? What is God's plan in this adversity? Maybe He's trying to free me from attachment to my own preconceived notions and ideas. Maybe He wants to give me a greater degree of glory by allowing me to suffer with Jesus Christ. Maybe He's going to bring great fruit that I'll never see. You know, rejoice in everything." don't have to you know necessarily say oh thank you for beating me up you know it's like no but we can rejoice in the suffering because christ suffered and then we become like christ so paul and his his companions they go on and they it's interesting because they preach the gospel and where they preach the gospel even you know the the people to you know what must i do to be saved i must accept the lord jesus christ but not just accept the lord jesus christ They baptize the people. They preach the gospel to them, and then they baptize. So the conviction that Paul and his companions have about what they must do is the way every Christian, called as he is at baptism, should feel about his vocation to imitate Christ and therefore be apostolic. All Christians, St. John Paul II teaches, incorporated into Christ and his church by baptism are consecrated to God. And this is what our caller Ellen was talking about. This call to holiness. We're consecrated to God. They are called to profess the faith which they have received by the sacrament of confirmation. They are further endowed by the Holy Spirit with a special strength to be witnesses of Christ and sharers in his mission of salvation. Every lay Christian is therefore An extraordinary work of God's grace and is called to the heights of holiness. And we'll finish this quote after the break. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Mm
2: This is Terry Barber reminding you there's a women's conference coming up September 7th, 2019 at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Mary Danielle Barber will be speaking along with Barbara Nicolosi. They're going to be talking about true femininity. Be who you are. This is going to be for your daughters, your mothers. Every woman should be at this conference. And the way to do it is go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151.
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888 526 Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Well, welcome back to our last section here, and we're going through the Acts of the Apostles. We're on Acts 16, uh, verse 10 here. And Pope John Paul II, I was reading a quote from him about called to holiness, the universal call to holiness of every human being. Sometimes laymen and women do not seem to appreciate the full dignity and vocation that is theirs as lay people. No, there is no such thing as an ordinary layman. For all of you have been called to conversion through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As God's holy people, you are called to fulfill your role in the evangelization of the world. Yes, the laity are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, also called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It is their specific vocation and mission to express the gospel in their lives and therefore to insert the gospel as the leaven into the reality of the world in which they live and work. Christi Fidelis Leitch, teaches us that the lay people are supposed to sanctify the temporal order. It is the duty and dignity of the priest to sanctify the sanctuary. Lay people have no obligation or right, strictly speaking, to be in the sanctuary. The priest does, the lay people are supposed to sanctify the temporal order, the home, the workplace, the school, the political arena, the marketplace. We lay people are supposed to be there as the leaven to bring Christ to all of this, to show that we're not in business to take advantage of people, but to help people to make a living and and have a dignified wage and a dignified labor. And so the apostles are preaching the gospel and we're all called to do this, but by the way we live and, and according to the gifts that God has given us. But first and foremost, for lay people within our families and in, in the sphere of influence we have in the world, in the workplace. And it's interesting that um, in the beginning of this, where they, you know, the Paul, Paul had his um, idea about where he was gonna go on his missionary journey and he tries to go certain places. And when he can't go there, he doesn't say, oh, the devil. He said, the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow them to go there. So, (laughs) be in tune with the Holy Spirit and know that God will test the work. God will test the work. And so then we have, um, in in verse 14, we have the conversion of Lydia. And Lydia was a lady who um, lived in Thyatira and she was a seller of purple goods. And she... Paul and had gone down to the river with uh, Silas to try and find a place of prayer, Silas and Timothy. And they found these women washing at the river. And so the women were open. And Lydia especially was open to the gospel. And so we have here Lydia, um, who is a God-fearer, and she she accepts the gospel. And Origen says, God opens our mouth and our ears and our eyes to make us say hear, and see divine things. This shows that we can do and ought to address God using the words of the liturgy, open my lips, Lord, to bless your holy name, clean my heart of all evil thoughts, enlighten my understanding, and inflame my will so that I may merit to be admitted to your presence. So we praise the Lord and we bless him and we worship him, but we ask humbly for the grace to be purified, so that we can enter into His presence, even here on earth, we want to enter into union with God. This is what we're called to, and so Lydia accepts the faith, and she um, prevails on Paul to stay at her at her house, and then we have Paul going on, um, and in chapter in verse sixteen, excuse me, chapter sixteen, verse sixteen there's a girl who's following him. She's a slave girl and she has a spirit of divination and she's following Paul and Timothy and Silas around. She does this for several days. And these men are servants of the Most High God and who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And finally, Paul gets annoyed because because the spirit that's possessing her is not a spirit of God. So he turns around and he rebukes the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, remember, Paul is a, a priest and bishop of the Catholic Church. He has he has a power to rebuke the spirits that not laymen that laymen don't have but so he does this well what's interesting is by doing this once that spirit leaves her she can no longer be of use her owners were using her she was a slave girl but the, the, you know the spirits you know they, the devil knows so much not because he is a of his intelligence or his but because he's a very old man and he knows human human weakness and he knows human beings and how we act and he's not god and he can't determine the future or, or read the future or reads our minds. But he can definitely make suggestions to us. And so now she can't make these prophecies that were so much profit to her owners. And her owners are furious. So they take Paul and Silas to to the, the magistrate and say, these men are preaching a new way that's, dis- that's against the laws of Rome. And they're disturbing all of our um, civil, the way we conduct our civil society. And so without a trial, Paul and Silas are beaten with rods and they're thrown in jail. Well, what's interesting is they're in the prison. They've just been beaten. And of course, they're complaining and whining and crying, God, why do you treat us so bad? Why do you treat? No, no, actually um, at midnight, they are praying and singing hymns to God. And all of the, <laughs> the people in the jail are listening and there's this huge earthquake, and the chains of all the prisoners fall off, and all the doors come open, and the jailer wakes up, and he's like, oh no, and and he's gonna kill himself, because for a Roman to let your prisoners escape, well, they're gonna kill you anyway, so you may as well kill yourself. That was the noble thing to do, unfortunately, and no, suicide is not a noble thing. It's not noble at all. It's noble to give your life for another man, to try and save another man, to save another human being. It's not noble to kill yourself, never. It's, it's the devil's trap to try and get us to despair because he wants us to go to hell. So he, Paul knows, and, and he, he cries out, do not harm yourself. We are all here. No one is left. So the jailer calls for a light, and he comes in, and he's, he falls down at their feet, and he knows that they're in jail because they preach this gospel. And he says to them, you know, what do I have to do to be saved? And this is what I was referring to earlier. I kind of jumped ahead of the gun a little bit, but here, here we are now. And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus and your you and your household will be saved. But then when they go to the house and preach, then what do they do? They baptize him at that late hour of the night. He and his household, his entire household are baptized. Well, you know, entire households, It wasn't a sterile society, it wasn't a society without infants and children. So everybody in the house was baptized and all of the children were baptized too. It's one of the reasons why the church has always accepted infant baptism because in the early church, it was just a matter of course. There was never a discussion in the early church about whether or not infants could be baptized. The discussion was, can we baptize them before the eighth day? Because baptism is the new circumcision and in the old law, a boy was circumcised on the eighth day. And the answer of the church was, yes, we can baptize him before the eighth day. An infant, an infant can be baptized when they're born. So Paul, the, the jailer is baptized and all of his household and they rejoice and they believe in the Lord and they accept it, you know, the gospel. And then um, the next day, the magistrate sent the police to tell the jailer, let the men go. I mean, they hadn't given him a trial. They'd just beaten him. It was just a way of trying to... They were trying to establish um, order in the society and quiet down a riot without doing a trial. And um, in other words, let's cut the corners. And then what we'll do is we'll beat these guys and tomorrow we'll just, we'll just kind of quietly, you know, scoot them out of town and, and then there'll be no more trouble. So we're going to do appeasement. You know, there, these guys are c- trying to cause trouble. It wasn't Paul and Silas that were trying to cause trouble. It was the owners of that slave girl were trying to cause trouble so instead of telling the owners of the slave girl, "Look, you're you're making the trouble," they appease those men, and this is this is the way we still kind of act. It says, "Let's appease the guys that are making the the most noise, and then the guys who are innocent. Well, we'll beat them up a little and rough them up, and tell, you know, don't do this again,' and let's let's let you leave the territory quietly." Well, so they do that, and the magistrate says, "You know," so the jailer says, "Well, the magistrate says you can go in peace," and Paul says, "Oh no, 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 they're not getting off that easy, you see." Silas and all are Roman citizens and they beat Roman citizens in public without a trial. So they better make amends for it because if they don't, we'll make trouble for them. You couldn't beat a Roman citizen without a trial. And so now the magistrates have to come to Paul and Silas and they have to say, we're really sorry, we goofed. And they have to publicly, they have to publicly let them out of jail. And so all of their... um, Attempts at appeasement and just trying to shove this under the rug so that nobody could see it. It didn't work. It's interesting. Paul uses his Roman citizenship to the hill. He never he doesn't talk about it unless he needs to. But when he needs to, he never passes up the opportunity to use his Roman citizenship as a way to further evangelize and to spread the gospel to new places. And this isn't the this isn't the only time he does this. But he uses his citizenship, and he also uses his citizenship to insist on his human rights. You didn't have a right to beat me publicly without a trial. This was against your own law. I'm a citizen of Rome. And he didn't buy his citizenship. He was born in Tarsus. And Tarsus was a, um, what do you call that? (laughs) A province of Rome. And by the very fact that he was born there, he was born a citizen. So he had certain rights, and he knew his rights, and he definitely exercised his rights. So we're, we see here that we're all called to holiness and we're all called to evangelize, each according to the gifts that God has given us within the church and the duties of our state in life. The lay people are called to sanctify the temporal order. The priests are called to sanctify the sanctuary. No lay person has a right to be in the sanctuary, and it's not our duty. We need to pray for more priestly vocations and we need to pray for the priests that have been called, because there's always going to be there's always going to be a tax on the priesthood. There's always going to be a tax on anyone who tries to follow Christ, but particularly on the priest because of the influence he has. You know, if you get a priest to fall, you scandalize a whole parish. If you get a bishop to fall, you can scandalize a whole diocese. A lot of souls fall away. And that's one of the difficulties in our own time. So many are being scandalized by the actions of men who were ordained priests who never should have been, who weren't ordained in order to serve, but were ordained in order to try and change what the church taught. Now, that doesn't do away with the church. The church is still here. Jesus Christ is still with his church. And the church is still strong. She may be smaller than she was, but let's be faithful to the Lord and let us turn to the Lord and let's not leave the Lord because of the scandalous behavior of those around us. Scandals will always be there, Jesus said Woe to those through whom they come Pray for that Pray for the, pray for people who sin we are, We're all sinners, let's pray for each other And beg God, you know, let's go to confession Don't wait Make yourself an appointment today Or go today if you can Go call a priest and go to confession I know in the Diocese of Los Angeles Our priests are on convocation The diocesan priests We have lots of lay order, uh, religious order priests Who are still available in the diocese You can go to confession so do that on a regular basis. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Please pray for us. Pray with us. And if you can support us, call 877-526-2151. Sign up for the Women's Conference. That's coming up really quick. September 7th. We look forward to seeing you there. And we hope to see you next week on Bible with the Barbers.
5: St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh my Jesus, I beg Thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love, and the light of Thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance, and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests, Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere, and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
0: Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.